Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Everybody and welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. I am Steph Driver, your mistress of mayhem for the evening, taking the place of our director of fun and games, Bill Matz, who is covering the AHL All-Star Game in Allentown. Joining me tonight, we have my personal favorite person in the world, Kelly Hinkle. Oh, I thought you were going to say Charlie, but thank you. <laughs> not tonight. Charlie's, Charlie's high on the list, but Should not I, tonight. Am I opening my take right now? Right now. Okay, so... Um, one thing I learned this weekend is that uh, Canadians are actually bad, and they all have the personality of supermarket white bread. And if the NHL wants to be more popular, they should probably pick ones that are good and fun, like P.K. Subban, and stop showing us ones that are bad and stupid, like Pet Kane. Hmm. Also, Trade Braden Shen, thank you. American... Austin Matthews is American, too, and he's better. <laughs> I agree. Well, yeah, he's fine. Okay. He could smile more, though. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, he definitely <laughs> Have could. some fun, kid. <laughs> he definitely could. <laughs> I'm also joined by the guy who likes numbers and math things and is infinitely smarter than me at all times, Charlie O'Connor. I don't know if any of those things are actually true. But Do you not like numbers and math things? I mean, I use them. It doesn't mean I like them. <laughs> Does anybody actually like them? Well, I'm a Maybe. liar, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're going to go into the hot takes, uh, we found out today that the Islanders may be losing their lease with Barclays Center, which is awesome because, my God, that is an awful arena. And I like it pains me every time I have to watch the Flyers play there. I, it's worst ice in the, in, worst ice in the, in the NHL. And no one goes to the games, and they have a big white SUV. They have an SUV in in the stadium. Yeah, that's laughable. I think it's also funny that the stadium is the one that's kicking out the Islanders, and the Islanders aren't the ones that were like, "Oh, we're done here." Yeah, I don't know what the heck they're going to do. Like, <laughs> I, I, they got to play somewhere, and it doesn't seem like the NHL is has any interest in relocating them. So, like, where are they going to play hockey in two years? Quebec. Again, they don't, they don't want to relocate them. <laughs> and it's, it's weird, though, because, like, I mean, I feel like most of the times when they relocate a team, it's usually a team without much history. But the Islanders have great history. They yeah. were a great team in the 80s. They have fans all across the country. So that's probably the main reason why they don't want to relocate them. But it's just a total mess over there. With the they're already in Brooklyn. Yeah. You know? They're not so even they, really the Islanders anymore. They already anymore. destroyed the history. Yeah, right. <laughs> that is true. It's a good point. Well, it's interesting. on the island. Yeah, it's, it's well, I'm still, though. It's, yeah. I, I, uh, it's interesting, though, you say that because the, I think it's one of the best venues to catch an NBA game. So It I, might I, be, I mean, yeah. It, so it's probably just they concentrated on that, and they're like, oh, yeah, you got, by the way, you guys can play hockey here, too. If you really want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but now you can't because you suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that voice you hear is our special guest joining us tonight from Bleeding Green Nation, host of BGN Radio, John Barcher. What's going on, Broad Street Hockey? 
I, mean, I don't know. I, I always I, wanted to do that. I mean, I know you have to make up for Bill not being here, but wow. Yeah, that was a lot. So, and we're following this up by yelling yeah. about sports. Yes, exactly. Uh, so stick around for that. Yeah. How about this? Stop watching All-Star Games. Stop having them. Stop doing them. Give the players uh, some time off and let's all eat snacks and go to bed. They're horrible. They're, you can't like watch snacks. any of these things. The Pro Bowl sucks. The NHL All-Star Game now stinks, even though they tried to improve it, and I, I give them credit for that. I still didn't watch don't. any of it. It's it's boring. It's awful. Skills competitions are fun, and leave it at that. Put a pin in that. We're going to come right oh, okay, back to good. it. Mm, We're coming fancy. right back to it. So John Tortorella is what I want to start with. He gets a lot of heat on the show, mostly for being a jackass. Like, it's deserved, and he is a generally terrible human being. But... <laughs> This weekend, he bailed on being the Metropolitan All-Star coach to care for his son's ailing 10-year-old pit bull named Emma. And I've heard that she has passed since. Um, His son is an Army Ranger stationed abroad, so he gave up the the coaching duties and actually had to miss an NHL game prior to the All-Star break to go home and, and take care of the dog. So... You get kudos from me, John Tortorella, for not being a trash human being. It's really infuriating when people I hate do things that make me not hate them. <laughs> like it, it, it's annoying, right? It's Super fair. annoying. So, yeah. should we just—is that a golf clap or is that how are you supposed to We're, respond? It, it's a pat on the back, and, yeah. and it, it's a pat on the back. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not applauding. Back, how much do you now forgive him for screwing up the U.S. team? Not, I don't. No, 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 I don't. But I you got a I, lot more dogs to save. And yeah. to care well, for. he he does. He him and his wife actually have like a, an animal rescue that they and foundation. Like they do a lot for animals and. You no, know. legitimately, one of my first thoughts when that got released was like, "Oh, Steph's going to like actually start liking John Turner." Well, I, you know, I I always am of the thought that dog people are better than people people. Like they're yes. they're better one hundred percent. But I mean, John Tortorella sucks. So. Let's move back to the All-Star Weekend. So I want to start all the way back at the beginning. So just before the weekend, the All-Star Weekend launched, the NHL released their complete 100 greatest players of all time list as part of their year-long centennial celebration. It was bizarre. Did did you guys, did you look at it? Did you watch the thing? No. Oh boy! No, I didn't. I didn't watch What's any the of the All Star Weekend. Oh, I watched oh, oh. Like the, the actual. Thing. It, 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 was, it was hosted by John Hamm, right? Thing, yes. And it was. I don't know how to. I don't know how to even describe it. It seemed like they paid some people that they found walking around Hollywood <laughs> to come be like a fake award show audience because they kept showing the audience and Semi-corn no one started too, by the way. looked particularly interested. Like you saw some faces that were hockey faces, yeah, but it was like a weird mix of like people who looked kind of bored and like young girls wearing what I'm assuming they think was like their fanciest dress. It was just like a really weird crowd. <laughs> is, is fancy in air quotes? Yeah, and like no one seemed excited about like names. Like people were just like slow clapping Mike Gartner. It was like a weird <laughs> it was it was a, a really painful hour to watch. It, it was basically the NHL trying to put on what they thought was an award show. Yeah, it was oh, so we- it was just God, fucking weird, man. <laughs> this is what it's supposed to look like, right? Right, guys? Yeah, uh, yeah. 
And John Hamm was like trying to be funny, and he, I, from what I understand, he is kind of a funny guy. Like he's been on SNL a bunch and stuff. Like he called Alexander Ovechkin Sergei, Sergei Ovechkin at one point. It was just, it, the whole thing, top <laughs> to bottom. It I was works. sitting there. Was, at least it was in the right and I origin. Felt I felt uncomfortable <laughs> watching it. Oh, that's... it was not enjoyable. Oh. It was just weird. What did you think about the the list? I don't know what the fuck they were doing. Yeah, I don't. I I just I, it's all I, over the place. Yeah, well, I I, Here's I the said thing. this. Yeah, go for it. No, go. go. No, you go. Um, <laughs> um, what killed me was just like you have six active players mm-hmm. and three of them are Chicago Blackhawks. Oh my! Like I was literally. Wait, how did you pronounce that again? Chicago Blackhawks. Okay, I, I thought I heard a Chicago or oh. something. I, don't know. I was like, oh. literally screaming at my television because okay, if you want to make an argument that Sid and Ovi belong on a top 100 list, because inevitably, well, I think they do. They're yeah, going yeah. to be on a top 100. And Yager, list. obviously, because he's Yager. Sure, yeah, but yeah, but no, they shoehorned those Blackhawks in. Duncan Keith. Duncan Keith. I mean, honestly, Dunk. Uh, no, mean, well, is he no. Not, is he? Yes. Top one hundred of all time. Ever of all ever. time. Yes, he's going to be on that list. You're he's, out of your mind, Duncan buddy. Keith is one of the one of the best. I mean, not of just this, this is just. I'd put him up against Chelios. I'd put him up against uh, anybody else that ever that is. Charlie, has been is this true? Like, no. I mean, I mean, Duncan Keith's a great defenseman. Do I think Duncan Keith? At this moment, has a more impressive overall resume than Zdeno Chara? No, aside from the fact that Duncan Keys won more championships, which is a team award. It's not a singular player award. Yes. Same thing with Jonathan Taze. Like, is Jonathan Taze a great player? Yeah. Is Jonathan Taze, in my opinion, any better than Ansi Kopitar, who's only won one less championship than Jonathan Taze? No, I don't think so. I think they're around the same type of player. They're both great two-way centers who have won cups. But because the NHL is desperate to market the Chicago Blackhawks, oh they like, throw three of those guys in there. It's, it's disgusting, it's, right? It's, Gross, and I don't know. The thing is, you would imagine that they have experts in the field of marketing, <laughs> in the field of sports. Like these are people that are supposed to know what they're doing. They pick the absolute worst players to be the face of this game. Yes, the most Hands down. boring players, oh, the yeah, shittiest yeah. personalities, the that's biggest been, assholes. That's been like that forever. Too. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, what are you doing? You have you have Brent Burns, you have PK Subban, <laughs> yeah, you have guys that are nice. And fun and also good at hockey. They could be the face of your game. Why are you pushing Pat Kane on me? Yeah, and I mean, the, the I don't th- want to look at his dumb face anymore. Henrik yeah, Lundqvist. Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah. Yeah, L- L- Lundqvist yeah. could have certainly been on it. He yeah. should have been yeah. on that the, list. The, the, the two guys to me, and I, I mentioned Char. I could have totally seen Char on there. He's almost at the end of his career. He, uh, He's he had should a have been as well. Fantastic career. The two guys that that really ticked me off were Aginla and Thornton. Aginla yep. mostly. Like Aginla should be on this list. Yes, yeah. but he hasn't won a cup, so I guess you know. Because the Blackhawks have won three cups and he happened to be stuck on Calgary most of his career, then that makes Jerome McGinley a worse player. Like, no, he's one of the best yeah. forwards of this era. He should be on a top 100 list. So at one point they asked Wayne Gretzky, whose face I got really tired of looking at this weekend. <laughs> um, they asked him, like, oh, well, how do you choose who's going to be in a top 100 list? There's, you know, 257 or whatever players in the, the, or the Hall of Fame. How do you pare this list down? He's like, well, you really want to think about who's won Stanley Cups? And I immediately was like, How? No, like, are you going to tell no. me that Alexander Ovechkin wouldn't belong on a top 100 list because his stupid team can't win a cup? No. Absolutely not. That's a team thing. Yep. So you can be a great player for your entire career and never win a cup. Just ask Henrik Lundqvist, who didn't make this list. Like, it's it was... And that's the problem, I think. When you make an all-time list for a league that's been around over 100 years, you're going to have a hard time making a case for guys who are still playing or very recently retired. Because... Yeah. You don't have enough of 
a backwards view on their career, I think, to put them on there. So they should have just stopped it at like the 90s and done with it. <laughs> yeah, but, but then that would have killed the marketing aspect of it because part, part of this is they want to market they these players. Yeah. I know, but that's not working anyway. I agree with you. I'm <laughs> yeah. just saying that. That was, that was clearly the, the justification was well, like, well, yeah. we get to market these guys, but like, are you even marketing the right people? No. I mean, the answer is no. <laughs> no. No. So the, the yeah, because I'm I, just to jump in, I'm with you guys on on. Kane and Taves, like I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't understand that. I, I, I legitimately think Duncan Keith will have a a, a better career than Char will when it's set. And, and and he might be. It's just so hard to do that now. Like and. I think in 20 years, we'll probably have a much better view of like where these players in this era stand, and probably you won't have. Maybe you might have Jonathan Taves because he's got that idea of like he's like the ideal captain, yeah, sure. and Canadians love him. But like. I don't know if if Patrick Kane's career numbers are going to stand up once he no, slows down and he's not scoring a point per game anymore. Also, like, fuck that just, guy. Yeah. Also, <laughs> you, just, you just don't know. Like, and like, why is that? See, that's I, I guess that's what to to Kelly's point. That's what's bothered me throughout this entire pro leading up to this thing. He was constantly in our face with that yeah. dumb fucking promo. Constantly Which is on complete, NBC, like a completely tone deaf. Yeah, yeah, and and you're just like, yeah, wait until like whatever. The, I, Say I, hello you know, to my little friend. Yeah, like, are like, you oh fucking kidding God. me with Patrick Kane? Yeah, yeah, just, yeah let it let it go. It's so, gross. Uh, the more or less, that's I think that actually kept me from watching all the other stuff that was going on there. So, and that usually when they feature him the way that they always do, that stops me from watching often. So I mean, we've already covered what, who the six active players were. Sidney Crosby, and we didn't really talk about, yeah, but I think he, that that's a given. Yeah, yeah, he's on there. As, as, as much as we don't like it, I mean, he's one of the best players of all right. time. But so, yeah. And the people that, that were off the list, the first ones that came to mind were the ones that you mentioned. Aginla, Thornton, Lundquist, and then, of course, Chris Vandevelde. <laughs> <laughs> North Dakota for life. <laughs> there were flyers on the list. So there's Bobby Clark, Eric Lindros, Peter Forsberg, Yager. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, we're we're really we claiming Yager. They, they play, we these guys Forsberg? played on the flyers. They played we, on the flyers. We play, we're claiming Paul Coffey for sure. <laughs> I didn't get there yet, but they they yes. played they they laced up for the orange and black. So yes, Adam right. Oates, Pronger, oh. <laughs> Bernie Perrant, Paul Coffey, and Daryl Sidler. So Bernie, when he got the call from Carrie Bettman, he said, "Just this this one quote made me laugh. It was when I received the phone call from Gary Bettman. At first, I wondered why he would be calling me. <laughs> oh shit! What did I do? Why is the commissioner yeah. calling me? And that just that cracked me up. So, in the light of the NHL, not." Really being clear on what they consider make players the the greatest other than winning cups, I decided to play a little game. Mm. So I gave everybody homework and we made top 10 lists, all of different things. So top 10 goons, top 10 most talented, top 10 to never win a cup, and top 10 best careers full resume. So I'm going to start with you, Kelly. All right. So I took top 10 goons because I like them. Um <laughs> And because I'm a ridiculous homer, I would have just made a list of 10 flyers that you speed people up. But I would have loved that. I decided to do my homework and take a look at, you know, all-time penalty minute leaders and the people who are considered to be the best goons in the game. And I it found it pretty hard to argue with most of these guys. So we've got, um, in no particular order, Bob Probert. Yes. Dave the Hammer Schultz. Mm-hmm. Ty Domi, if for no other reason than he beat up a guy in the penalty box that time. That was awesome. <laughs> um, Marty McSorley. Uh, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Like there, there's, yes. Like there's yeah. a maneuver named after him. <laughs> uh, Craig Berube. Yep. Um, one Berube. Guy who, 
Oh, yeah. The Barbie era. I'd actually never heard of Dave Williams. He was before my oh, time in this, yeah. yeah, in the seventies. So I had never actually heard of him, but apparently he was quite goony. Rob Ray, who I definitely oh, yeah. remember from the nineties, um, also Dale Hunter. I added my own Dan Carcillo because I like him, okay, <laughs> and he liked to beat people you know, up, and he was also fun. Yeah. He was fun, yeah, whatever. And he's also like presented himself as a pretty decent dude after retirement, which 100% I never would have yeah, predicted. For sure, would have expected that, <laughs> and. uh our old pal Rick Talkin. Oh, Ricky. Also a good face puncher. So those those are my top ten goods. Yeah, Bob Probert has there. I mean, like if you're anywhere around Chicago, there everyone has a Bob Probert story. Oh, really? On and off the ice, because I mean, like you go you go to Chicago in any bar, and they will be like, "Oh yeah." So one time, Bob Probert was in here, <laughs> did a line of coke, drank a ton of beers, and then fought everybody, and then left. Like that was kind of part of his his also like charm and legacy of, That's of that. Bob Probert is always is number one on my list as far as goons go. I would have put James Neal on that list. Oh, is, I don't yeah, think of him, I don't think him a as goon. a goon. He's yeah. just dirty. Yeah, I think there's Brashear a difference. was somebody I was Brashear thinking. Right, was, it would have been a good one. Yeah. All right. Fine. <laughs> yeah. John. Oh, it's a right now. We're I forgot. So we're going, I get it. So, uh, I, I mean, like, I put it this in parentheses only 90s kids will get this because that's when, <laughs> that's when um, I, I went on the basis of, like, okay, I've seen these people more live than on TV. So that's what I went. And, and this is in no particular order. So I went. Of the with, most talented. Yeah. Uh, uh, most talented. I'm going uh, with uh, Mussolini. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Messier, Lindros, Lemieux, uh, Stevie Iserman. Uh, Pavel Bure is, is probably closer to. Uh, you know, two or three, as far as for me, as yeah, talent goes, awesome. and I, I still don't think it gets talked about enough. Crosby, of course, has to be on there. Uh, the great one, Patrick Waugh. I know, and I know, I debated this with uh, with my good friend Dan Klossner because we went back and forth on, you know, you really should put Brodeur there, but I still think mm. talent wise, I'm, I'm, Patrick I'm was you. is is still kind I, of. I, the guy I think there. Waugh was the better goaltender. Yeah, and then uh, and then Ovi kind of rounds out that. Uh, that list and and most of these th- I mean that's a, I I um, small confession so as a small boy in Iowa then in 1993 and 1994 there was no hockey team that was around and the Blackhawks were non-existent so I kind of I kind of geared myself towards the Rangers because at the time I mean it is still to me the best game seven of all time uh, when it was between them and, and Vancouver so uh, I, I was and then I got to Philadelphia and then everything changed but yeah so so to me I mean like I think I think I would have to say that Pavel Bure is probably one of the most talented people I have ever seen live and in person uh, more so than you know I, th- I I threw Mario on there because I actually I replaced him I can't remember who or else was on there but that's one thing we kind of forget too and even though that all of these people are on uh, you know uh, the the, uh, the hockey teams that we do not root for Mario Lemieux is, is one of the guys that I could I never could hate uh, mm. as as uh, he was wearing the wrong sweater but yeah, Mario. Mario to me, between him and Pavel Bury, probably the two best hockey players I've ever seen in my life. You respect talent. I get yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get that. All right. So my, I did top ten to never win a cup, and Pavel Bury is on my list too. I also have Mike Gardner, Marcel Dion, Peter Stasny, Matt Sundin, Curtis Joseph, Eric Lindros. Yes, Cujo. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know. I didn't I hear what just, you said, I, and it oh, took me a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Cujo, uh, Pat Lafontaine, Phil Housley, and Alfie Daniel Alfredson. Mm. That's a good list. There, I had I had a list of fifteen, and trying to narrow it down to ten was really freaking who, who hard. Who got cut? Uh, Do you let remember? Me, let me pull up the list. Mark Howe. Uh, yeah. Was... Uh, Paul Correa, 
Uh, Keith Kachuk. Oh man, I did. Dale Howarchuk. Howarchuk is yeah, he's he's a tough one. And off. then and then you know me and names uh, Salming Biori Salming. Oh, that yeah. There was a lot of talk about him during the hockey things this weekend. Oh, really? I had never heard of him, but he was apparently a Leaf. That was like a super. Yeah. God, super oh well, he knew what he was getting into. Then. When, yeah. when, <laughs> when you're a Leaf, <laughs> pretty much. Um, so I went with the top ten best careers full resume, and it was kind of an open ended one. So I sort of focused on players who like both played a long time um like the big one i left off was bobby Orr, not because he's not one of the best players ever but because he really only played 10 seasons mm. um and if you're looking at like a full resume like yeah it sucks he had injuries but he didn't play as long as a lot of other guys that played mm-hmm. 20 plus years so i kind of left him off and then also guys that sort of have like a signature moment i know that kind of goes against my like argument of stats matter and all this stuff but like for example like i put jock plant on there because not only was he an amazing goalie he also like revolutionized the position by making it so goalies didn't we feel weird wearing masks and that seems <laughs> a relatively important part yes. of a resume yeah. like hey i'm the That's main reason why we all were put on a goalie mask. yeah um but in terms of the rest of the list uh a lot of you you're just you're generally expected ones gretzky and how uh in my opinion would be one two um you know gretzky just because he's the best and then how because he played until what he was like 50 and yeah. was still okay mm-hmm. at 50, which is pretty darn incredible. Um, Yager, for a lot of the same reason, the fact that he's still really good and he's probably going to be in the like top what top four in scoring despite basically ditching the NHL for, for three or four seasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty cool not story. Um, Messier, um, just because not only was he a key part of the Edmonton dynasty, then he finally brought a cup to the Rangers and also is really, really near the top in all the scoring metrics. So go with him. Um, Nicholas Lidstrom, who I don't think I, I wonder if I will ever see a defenseman that good like you in, in my lifetime. Like I, I think somehow he's still underrated, even though everyone agrees how great yep. he is, because yeah. he just to me like exemplifies everything I want in an NHL defenseman. He was the, the most sound defenseman I've ever seen in terms of you know breaking up plays and sending sending you know the the game the other way. I I, I loved watching Lidstrom play. Um, Patrick Waugh, Jean Belleville, Ray Bork, and then the only one with a kind of short career that I put on there was Mario Lemieux, but that was primarily just because he came back later on and was still really, really good, even after cancer and missing time and basically single-handedly saving the Penguins from getting relocated. <laughs> Thanks a lot, jerk. <laughs> uh, that, uh, yeah, that also, and the uh, commissioner. But that's it. I see, the only thing I'll disagree with, and I don't, I don't think you can, even in, in the cases of like Bobby Orr and things like that, it's the same argument I've been having with Joel Embiid this entire time, where even though you're playing in limited minutes, times, games, or whatever, if you still had a an amazing impact yeah. on that career, even though when you were there for 10 years... So I would say I would say Bobby Orr makes makes the makes the list for me over, you know, probably Ray Bork or something fair, like that. Fair, yeah. yeah, and Bork, I just I feel like I put him on just because he leads all defensemen in scoring, and that capstone in his career is still oh, like yeah, one, one of the greatest yeah, yeah. hockey moments. You of all can't time. argue against that either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, I forgot to add the caveat in my top ten to never win a cup. I didn't put any active players because there's still a chance. So. Yeah. I, yeah, I forgot. I forgot to add that. As don't, an don't give up hope yet. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's still much. a yeah. shot, Henrik Lundqvist. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so this for the all Dallas, when he's playing for the Dallas Stars. 
Ford somewhere. Yeah, that'll be know. Steve Mason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this all led up to the All-Star Game. So I didn't watch at all this weekend. It had no appeal to me. Once they, they dropped the draft... And I didn't get to see drunk Alexander Ovechkin begging to be picked last so he, he can win a car. I didn't get to see the <laughs> Kessel for Sagan trade orchestrated by the players. I just, I didn't care. It just wasn't, it wasn't the same for me. Like, I wanted to see the players' personality. Like, this is essentially their tiny vacation. I wanted to see them have fun, not necessarily playing forced games. Oh, you didn't miss any of that. <laughs> I assure you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't miss any fun or not I... a not a lick of fun. <laughs> you missed nothing. But Wayne Simmons played well. But and he won a car. He won a car. <laughs> he was MVP our our very own Mr. Train. So that's that's big. Um somebody who watched tell me about it. Charlie, did you watch? I watched the end. (laughs) It was the end of the championship game. I suffered through the entire weekend of festivities. So, your thoughts? Okay, so I actually spent a lot of this week um, really selling someone on how great the three-on-three all-star format is. Because in my mind, I remember it. And maybe I'm misremembering, but I remember last year being a lot of fun to watch. It was a lot of fun. I don't um, think I watched last year either. Yeah, no, it was. I fun. don't know if it was the whole John Scott thing that kind of just like imbued the whole weekend with just a sense of like lighthearted fun times. But I remember really enjoying last year. So mm-hmm. I was um, really sell- I was really selling someone who I was watching this game with on the idea that three on three was going to be a lot of fun to watch, and it could not have been farther really from fun. It was super slow for the most part. You know, you kind of, you know how sometimes in a three on three game, there comes a point where you can tell that the teams are no longer trying to win. They're just trying not to lose. Yes. The whole game felt like two teams trying not to lose a game, a regular season NHL hockey game. That's really annoying. The only guy that seemed to be having any fun was P.K. Subban. Shocker. Yeah, who decided at one point that he was going to be Connor McDavid's shadow. So he was like literally (laughs) on top of him for most of the entire game. And it was pretty hilarious. Oh, Um, I love that. I love P.K. Yeah, but it was just like nobody was smiling. Nobody was laughing. I mean, Brent Burns was because I think that's just his face. Like I'm pretty sure like if he goes to the supermarket to buy milk, he's like laughing about it and having fun. Um, But like... At one point, Simmons had two goals. The only two goals, I think, for the Metropolitan team. And the announcers were still like, oh, man, here come Ovechkin and Crosby. Maybe we're going to get something going here. I'm like, hey, did you you see the guy that no one's talking about that scored two goals there? Are we going to talk about him a little bit? Nope. Nope. Not at all. Um, Even the skills competition, which is always my favorite part of All-Star Weekend, was just kind of a crashing bore. No one seemed to be having fun. They all seemed like they had to be there. Wasn't a lot of laughter. Wasn't a lot of fun. Um, the guys with kids were, you know, having like cute moments with their kids and stuff. But it just it it didn't feel like a fun atmosphere for someone who was watching it on television. Yeah, there, there didn't seem like there was that moment. Like I feel like in, in the other skills competitions, there's been the moment. What was it with uh, with Goudreau? Yeah. Before, and well, they then... took away the the one goofy thing where yeah. they were all had fun, and so they they took away all of the fun. Yeah, yeah. Like, all that's of the it. thing. They they pretty much said. Wait a second. Everyone really enjoyed last year, and they had a lot of fun with stuff, and, and that's not going to work. Yeah, I, d- I did watch can't have that. We don't like that. <laughs> so let's just suck all the fun out of this meaningless event whose only purpose is fun. And, and it's three days long. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I did not enjoy a second of this. <laughs> Yikes. Three days. That's I. Oh God. Yeah. That's why it's. That's part of the problem. Just it yeah. needs to be it's a little long. Yeah, and a, a night of skills, and then the game, and then that's it. A night of the drunk draft, and then the skills <laughs> yeah, competition. Yeah, I don't even yeah. need to see the yeah, game. That's true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's more entertaining. I don't. Yeah. I, don't I don't even need to see the game. It was nice, though, and this is coming from someone who didn't really watch much, if at all, of any of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to see Simmons get some national yes. attention. It is awesome. Uh, even if I didn't necessarily love how he got it, because I don't love the All-Star games. Uh, it's just nice t- to see other fan bases recognize that, like, hey, this guy is really good at hockey, and mm-hmm. he's not just the net front presence guy who scores garbage goals. Like, he's a skilled player. Yeah, and, and also... He's a complete player that can help you in all three zones. And yeah. And I think that sometimes gets brushed aside when people look at him. And I think a lot of it... I think that there was a, a lot of kind of like, oh, here's the guy that the Flyers sent because the Flyers had to send somebody, so here's Wayne Simmons. Like, there was a lot of that with, like, Cam Atkinson <laughs> and Bo Horvat. Like, here are the representatives from these trash teams that aren't well, that good. Atkinson, <laughs> Horvat, I totally agree. Atkinson, I mean, Columbus, didn't they have, like, three or four Well, guys? yeah, but, I mean, there was just, like... They were focusing on the stars. I was watching on Sportsnet. They were focusing on stars, obviously, but it, it they weren't giving Wayne Simmons any real respect. It wasn't like Wayne Simmons is here because he's an all-star. It right. was Wayne Simmons is here because everybody's got to send somebody. Not like it would have been if it was Giroux or Voracek. Right. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So the Metro won? <clears throat> cool. Like, <laughs> go division. Congratulations well, to the Metro. They're good. So weird. So that... Like when did that happen? I, mean, the, I guess the Metro probably is like the best division this season, right? Which is weird because it hasn't been that case for a couple seasons. Yeah, I guess I think the big shock was just Columbus because yeah. no one really mm-hmm. thought Columbus was going to be any good. Everybody sort of figured that probably Pittsburgh, Washington, Rangers, and Flyers are going to be the four teams out of the division that make the playoffs, and now Columbus is basically <laughs> a lock unless they really choke in the last two months of the year. Which they could. They could. It's possible. And, I mean, the Rangers could choke. You know, you never know. The Flyers could miss the playoffs. Like they, it, I watched they, what happened to Team things USA. Things could fall apart. I know what could happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, and even the bad teams, like, Carolina's been okay. Carolina's sneaking up they, on they, the they, they, They've been okay. And then the Islanders, they're, even though I look at that team and I think they're awful, like, they're winning games recently. They're okay. actually, they actually passed the... Uh, I think they actually passed the um, the Hurricanes, like right before really? the, right before the All Star break. The only team that's just straight up bad mm-hmm. is is Jersey. Like they're just they're just a dumpster <laughs> fire, which is enjoyable. To, you know, I, I hate, hate the devils so much. I hate the Devils more than I hate the Pittsburgh Penguins. I hate the Devils so much. The Islanders confuse the hell out of me. I know that their their management is a tire fire. Their coaching has been a mess, but like there's they should be a good team. Well, in the, in the, it, it actually uh, it made me laugh because when uh, Charlie was talking about like the, you know they have this rich history of being really good, it's like that's I mean you're talking about almost forty years well, ago it's before yeah. our now time. because there yeah. was I mean like the the the, the moment and you guys remember that they had like that the incident with the the, the owner pretending to be oh, this yeah, rich guy. millionaire yeah. yes and oh, they God. didn't and Batman and all those guys looked like fucking assholes so like. <laughs> They've been dealing with that forever. Right? Yeah, like yeah, late nineties. Right? Yeah, and and you're you're talking about you know our our favorite friend and and mine over at the uh, NBC Sports Network who is like, like oh, who is and I still remember to this day. I don't know if you guys ever listened to uh, you know Mad Dog and all those guys up on the uh, WFAN. I try really hard that. not to, but he <laughs> literally had him all come on the show and just said, "Mike, why do you still have a job?" <laughs> 
And it was just 20. I mean, if you can go find it, YouTube it. And it is it is the greatest interview I've ever heard in my can life. They, can they bring him on the show and ask him that same question? Today? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like, how do you still have a job? I would, I, and it made I'm, me. I'm going to find that and put it on our Twitter. And then I'm also going to listen to it before I go to bed every night. Yes, yeah. you should. And it is, if you hate Mike Milbury, you will love that interview because that is that is what it is. But it, it is, they're, they're, they're being weird. You know, this whole, di- this whole division is being weird. Yeah. I don't, I, I, did anyone expect the Flyers to be, even though I know the downswing, there's, there's a lot of issues and problems, which I'm sure we're going to get into, but I didn't, I didn't expect them to be at this point in the season either. I don't, I, I and that's, maybe that's my, well, you think more that my they, expectation they than anything. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I think they were, I, well, they're, I mean, I th- with, with the losing streak and everything that came in there, I think they're about where they were supposed to yeah. be or where I expected them to be, but. Yeah, and and by the way, has there been any uh, Barofsky fights here on the the Flyers Twitter or anything recently? No? We not yet, but we can get into. <laughs> no, that. no, I'm not, <laughs> not. I'm not saying I want to. I'm just surprised that there isn't a you know a large think... should have kept a discussion with that because of uh, the random Steve Mason hate that uh, should not be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. we all we Poor all defend Steve, Steve Mason, yeah. and that's that takes up all of our energy, <laughs> okay, <laughs> all of our energy, and all of we our. We could have had Bob. Yeah, but the West, the West has really been, I mean, the com- the the conference to beat, are they falling back a little bit? Um, Some of the teams are probably on the downswing, like Chicago, while they're lo- they look good in the standings, I mean, they're getting older and they're not as good as they were, you know, back then. You would, you, you think that Edmonton has McDavid, so they're on the up, but they're also <laughs> they're, they're also they're, bad. Yeah, I mean, they're, well, they're also like hamstrung by a GM who isn't that good. Yep. So like that's hurting them. That was the kindest thing anyone's ever said. He's <laughs> <laughs> not that not good. Not that good. <laughs> um, and then LA kind of in the same boat as Chicago. Like they're they still have very good players, but they're getting hamstrung by some cap, you know, some some bad bad contracts like the Dustin Brown contract. They're mm-hmm. not as good yeah. as they were two or three years ago. So. The former powerhouses aren't really powerhouses anymore. Even look at San Jose. I mean, San Jose is a very good team, but with Joe Thornton, thirty-seven years old, yeah. and Patrick Marlowe's like thirty-five, and yeah, they have young, younger guys who have taken up the mantle. But these guys aren't in their primes anymore. So maybe this is just a matter of kind of the West best teams not being as good as they used to be because of just the aging process. Well, yeah, and you're starting to see, just like you were saying, you're starting to see a lot of that. I mean, we've said the same thing about the Sharks for the last five years. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, George, he's 31. Oh, now he's, he's 32. <laughs> he's not good. He's 30. You know, but they're, they're still somehow on top of where they need to be. And you're right. I mean, like, this is what we saw a lot of the old Flyers regime do was just like, we're, we're we have this core and it's going to be here. And we're okay with that because, A, it's putting butts in seats and they're still winning games. But now that's all that stuff that Charlie's talking about is finally catching up to those guys. So I don't, yeah. But I don't know where the breaking point is either because you know in the next – after this All-Star break, one of the th- four of the teams that you have just mentioned is going to go – like the Kings will suddenly go on, a, on an eight- or nine-game winning streak. They'll, they'll somehow uh, mark that out. I don't see the Sharks really going anywhere. The Oilers are the only kind of – I guess, and then we were talking about that before we came in. It was kind of like the the kind of odd surprise, and, and then makes you laugh at their off season for panicking and doing. A well, lot of Con- Connor McDavid of- is is really yeah, driving that team. If they didn't yeah. have him, they'd be trash, yeah. which is hilarious because of you know how many top round number one picks they have. Yeah, they have some good players like. Cam, got, Cam Talbot is yeah. a good goalie. They have some good defensemen. I don't think Adam Larson is one of them, but <laughs> Edmonton, <laughs> Edmonton, Edmonton, have some respect. Edmonton Oilers fans strongly disagree with me on that point. 
and they have some some good four. I mean, Dreisaitl's looking like he's going to be at the very least a very good second line center, and at best they could turn that into like their you know Crosby Malkin tandem where they have two first line centers and they just pay them both big money because he looks really good. Like they have talent, but then they go out and they trade their top line winger for Adam Larson, and it's like. You have fans of the Oilers come to you and say, well, how can you say that was a bad move? The team's better this year. Well, yeah, you have a full season of Connor McDavid. You were going to be better. You would be even better than you are now if you had Taylor Hall instead of Adam Larson. But again, that's not something they really seem to want to hear. They don't want to hear it. Not even a little bit. All right. Well, (laughs) without further ado... I think that's the first time I heard the flyers in, in, the, <laughs> in the explosion. In the explosion the at the end. <laughs> so right before the all-star break, the flyers had a back-to-back with the Rangers and the Leafs. They won both. And they're on a little bit of a winning streak right now. a three-game winning streak. What in the world? I don't know. It's amazing. So I I actually, I have a confession. And this is probably not the best time for this because I'm hosting a (laughs) Flyers podcast. But I don't like watching this team. Oh, come on! I don't like it. They're not... No, it's agree. not fun for me. I do watch every single game because I've got to talk about them, but it's not fun for me. This is a safe space, Stephanie, and I have to tell you <laughs> that sometimes it feels like a chore. It, it's it's just like... It's like a Wednesday night, 8 o'clock game. I'm like... Uh gotta watch the Flyers play the Capitals and I don't really feel like it. You know I what I, th- I will and then they lose and then I'm <laughs> sad about it. And then it's uh, that's what it is. Like I'm so emotionally invested mm-hmm. that I've spent all my reserves being disappointed in this team. Yeah. But you know what I think it is? It's their slow starts. It's yes. the fact that their first periods are garbage and I just can't I can't get into it after that. Well they've kind of gone through almost like stretches where they have good first periods and then stretches where they have bad ones like start of the year their first periods were kind of a mess then in january there was a stretch in january where like their first periods were the only times where they seem to show up and then they blow it in the third period and now this past week it's gone back to okay i guess we kind of suck in the first part of games and then by the third period we're playing really good I, I'm I'm curious though, Steph. Like, is it? Do you think it's the losing streak? Do you think? No. It's, do you think it's the style that they play? Like, is this like an aesthetic thing for you? I I think it's, I'm just bored. Is what it is. So it might be the style. It's not. It's not the losing thing because when they win, it's more like a oh, okay, they won. That's cool. There's no there's no joy in my heart. I miss the joy in my heart, and I don't have it. I think I for me it's because it's a, it's a it's a team that's still in transition. It's a team that still has. I mean, we're we're trying to argue about the greater the the great offensive lines of blank and blank, and we're yeah. still having that discussion. Mm-hmm. And we're halfway through the season. The problem is, and it's very simple. There's not enough talent on this, on this team. There's not. There's not enough. There's not enough young scores. There's not enough young defensemen. It's still kind of in the middle, and we're all waiting for that next shoe to drop. Which 
seems like an eternity. In the meantime, it's still a pretty good hockey team. But this is why, you know, you're getting frustrated with it's why we yell all the time about the, <laughs> the different line changes and what are you doing with the chemistry of this this squad. And that's it's leading you to this. Well, I think Bill and I had a back and forth about this on last week's show where it just seems like right now, and that was deep in the heart of their real struggling period. Right. They just couldn't buy a win to save their lives. But it just doesn't seem like right now they have a game breaker. And that's not saying that they don't have one on the roster. That's saying that the guys who can be game breakers are not playing like game breakers. Mm. Like Jake Voracek can play like a game breaker. Mm-hmm. We saw it in that overtime game winner against against the Islanders where he made yep. that great play and set up the goal. Shane Gossesbeer can be a game breaker. We saw it last year. Claude Giroux can be a game breaker. Like they have guys that have that ability, but none of them have really been playing at that level for quite a while this season. Like Jake had the first like maybe month and a half, two months of the year where he was just on. And then ever since then, he's been it's been okay, but he hasn't been Jake Voracek, the right. guy who can turn a game in one shift, generate a controlled entry, blast into the, you know, into the offensive zone and beat a goalie with a you know with a great pass or a power move to the net. Like there's just there isn't that excitement, and I don't think it's a coaching issue. I mean, maybe you could make the argument with Gosses Bear that he's losing confidence because he's getting jerked around the season. But I would make that argument. Yeah, you could make the argument, but some of it is just some of these guys are either slumping. I mean, that's the the the, I think that's, the, that's the, the, the generous thing to say too. is that they're slumping. Like you'd hope that especially a guy like Voracek and, and Ghost are going to bounce back and give you some of those you know electric moves that that made last year like last year's run so much fun. Yeah, and and I I don't disagree. It's just I I like I watch this team when they're bad. I watch this team when they're good, and and I'm just, there's something missing for me right now, and I don't know what it is. Maybe I don't I don't know. I, I, I honestly that, don't. I, I know. mean, I think the ten game win streak still threw everybody off. I think yeah. because they were they were humming at a at a playoff caliber level where it was always just. Okay, they're they're gonna dig deep, and no, no matter what, they're gonna find a way to win this game. That was a lot of fun. All that was a lot of fun, and then you, and then it brings you right back down to reality. It's like, okay, yeah, they don't have that guy that they can constantly yeah. lean on night in, night out. Other than Steve Mason, who Ooh. is, you know, you're, you're, there's still like, if you want to identify one thing, like that's always gonna be probably the steadiest thing and honestly because he's there every night so that's not really yeah and, and that, this, that and this an year he's not been the guy of the past three years right. with the exception of like a few stretches like of weeks where you know during the 10 game winning streak he was arguably the biggest reason why they went on the 10 game winning streak mm-hmm. he was awesome and then you can argue that he got overworked afterwards you can argue that he just slumped like you don't know but in any case his his performers went back down again and then lo and behold the teams are losing again because it's hard to win when your goalies aren't performing well. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, can it just be fatigue? Yeah, I mean, it is just like there was a rough there, start of the season. Yeah, yeah. their their schedule is kind of also crazy, and you hit that wall, or you go on those you you have those streaks, you have that different kind of thing. There's a lot a lot of shit that's shifting around as well. So mm-hmm. I, uh, let's let's wait and see what happens after this All Star break too. Yeah, so that guy we were just talking about, Steve Mason, had his first shutout of the season against the Rangers at the Garden. Yeah, he stole that game. Like that, yeah. like that, that's that's, insane. that happened, right? I wasn't hallucinating. They that beat the Rangers. At, at, at home, like they, <laughs> or away, but they, in New York, they yeah. beat the Rangers. <laughs> Henrik Lundqvist just did not look great. I, I don't, 
how did they win that game? Other Steve Mason. Yeah, sometimes you get a good performance. Like that's what they haven't gotten this year. They haven't gotten consistent performances from their goaltenders to steal games. Aside from that ten game winning streak, it was the only period. It's like they compressed all of their good goaltending <laughs> into, into a three week span, <laughs> and then it was like, okay, now we're going to go back to sucking again. Hmm. It's it's been nice to see Mason play better recently. Um, they need him to. They need him, or they need Neuver to. To, to retake the job, I have more faith in Mason because I just have more faith in his his track record mm-hmm. as a flyer. But they just need somebody, and if Mason's going to be that guy, and this is the start of him reestablishing himself as that guy, then they can go on a run. Because as I said uh, last week, and it was something that you know maybe was a little bit hard to take considering how much they were struggling. But like the numbers were saying, the Flyers were due for a turnaround, and they did go on a three game winning streak. But like. The biggest problem with the Flyers in January was that they just couldn't stop the puck. They couldn't stop the puck, and they were shooting at an unbelievably low rate, both mm. at 5-on-5 five five and on the power play. But so much of that just gets turned around if your goaltender starts actually making saves, and Mason finally did, and they started winning games. The question is, can he continue to do it? I heard you fix the team again. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so Good so job, really, buddy. who do you know in the front office that listens to this show? Because <laughs> you fixed the team again. I, I would be really scared if they like listened to Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be really scared if they listened to me. <laughs> like if any of the players knew that I feel like their mother, <laughs> that'd be <laughs> mortifying. <laughs> Except for you, Travis Konechny. <gasps> who, by the way, have we Picture found him? Twitter, Travis. Have we found him? Travis Travis is he not on Twitter? Twitter. It's been hacked. hacked. And it's been hacked for a long time. And he went and blocked me, which I'm saying he blocked everyone. I know there was a lot of people that he went and blocked because they were saying, like, what's up? You've been hacked here. Um, So somebody. I still have Jihad Travis. Jihad Travis. I mean, I don't know. Jihad I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. So somebody needs to find Travis. Like, you would think that. Twitter would at least know, all right, this account's been hacked. We need to shut it down. probably isn't Travis Connect anymore. Yeah. This probably isn't him. He doesn't speak Arabic. Like, let's take this profile down. Anyway, that's a whole different tangent. Um, Charlie, you want to talk about how you fix the team? Um, I mean, no. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, they, they were they were driving play. They were winning They, they were winning the shot at times battle. They were taking a lot of shots at the power on the power play. They just weren't scoring, and... They finally started scoring some goals, and then more importantly, the goaltenders were stopping them because it's not like either of any of the wins were high-scoring games. They just were winning close and kind of keeping things keeping things steady in the first two periods, probably getting outplayed to a degree, and then in the third period. Like that Leafs game, the third period of that game, they just destroyed Toronto. It was, it was it, I know you said you're not really enjoying the team, but like that was a period you had to enjoy because it was just, they, they were just coming at them in waves. Well, I... I was excited about that game for different reasons. Like the the baby Leafs are probably my favorite group of of prospects and and rookies. Um I guess they're not prospects anymore if they're in the NHL. So we're just we're going with that the counts. term with, yeah, yeah, we're going yeah. with the term babies. Like yeah. the the baby <laughs> Leafs are my favorite group of babies. Um and I was really pumped to watch them play my team. Like I was really excited and it was the one night one out of three nights a year that I'm not rooting for the baby Leafs to win. And the Flyers <laughs> did really well. Yeah. At, at least in the third period. Yeah. And Couturier was mostly matched up against the Matthews line and they really took them to the cleaners. Like I think they yeah. finished with around like 70% shot attempts against Matthews, which is awesome considering that I said this on Twitter. I don't think people 
outside of Toronto realize that like Austin Matthews is already an elite player. Like he's not, he's not just mm-hmm. a, well you, because you're, you're his mom. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> I am. But, like he's not just like a promising rookie. He yeah. is legitimately a first line center already yeah. at age 19, I guess. Um, He's that good. And the fact that Sean Gattari could go out there and shut him down was was really, really impressive. And it was I don't, I don't, I don't think they win that game if, if Gattari doesn't basically neutralize Matthews at 5-on-5. At five five. Yeah, and, and again, that's where you have to – I mean, you just have to give – in those situations, you have to give Hack credit for putting that line yeah. together. Right. And you and the usage and all the all the other different stuff that we bitch about and, you know, with Bill Maher and all that other Vandervelde, all that crap. So that, that, that to me at least – that's why uh, we'll, we'll probably get into it again, but this is I, there's still a theory with me and, and Andrew McDonald and all, all of the all of the sittings and all the other crap and all the arguments we've been through. I still think there is a process to that, but we'll get that to yeah, a little so, bit there. So listeners, no, I'm getting yeah. into it now. Oh, okay. We, yeah. we carpooled tonight. We're, we're trying to save the environment, you know, one <laughs> one car at a time. Also, uh, Charlie and I don't have a car. So also also that. So this was a conversation <laughs> almost the whole trip here about why Andrew McDonald is getting as much ice time as he is. The conversation was basically, why is Andrew McDonald? Why is Andrew <laughs> McDonald? Question mark. That's the end of the question. Yeah. Um, so there, there are a couple schools of thought. One is that the team actually thinks he's a legitimate top three player. Another is that they're trying to play him like he is to convince another team to trade for him. And the other is magic <laughs> well it can't be the second one because anybody watching would be like oh no 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 we don't we don't I, have that but apparently Haxtell thinks so i i don't know basically like well, i i pray I, <laughs> <laughs> I i so i took the side of that i operate on the assumption that the flyers just think he's good and they're using him because they think he can help them win games which i think is just as an aside, the worst one. Oh, I mean, it's not good, <laughs> yeah. but um, but that's just to kind of give some background. Like I kind of, and I've said this on on Broad Street Hockey comment threads before. Like I tend to operate under the assumption that the GM and the coach aren't playing like three dimensional chess with their lineups. That if they do something, that the most likely explanation is that they're doing it because they think it will help the team win. It's not because they're looking two years down the line with a trade or with a lineup decision or whatever, but. When there's a when there's a decision like using Andrew McDonald as a top four defenseman, I totally understand why there are alternative theories as to why this continues to happen. And John takes up the other side. Yeah, exactly. And and you this happens. Let me tell you, this happens in sports more than you think. The general manager has a lot of control over that lineup, regardless of it. And Hextall knows that. We've seen that because. Why the fuck else would he have started out in Lehigh last year if they actually thought that he was worth a something? When you when you're telling me with like Manning being out there and with other guys being out there who we know are also mediocre to dog shit, mm. that you would think that the way that they're using Andrew McDonald now, they would have pulled the trigger a long time ago, not waited for an injury to happen to bring him up. There is that idea, and even though that uh, I'm sure Kelly will blah. Uh, out, uh, out loud when I say this is the reason why they are giving him those top minutes is because NH- NHL GMs are stupid. 
They are dumb. We have seen it before. I believe that you're correct about that. Where where you're going to be able to swindle somebody. We've seen Hextall do it before in the past. Zach Ronaldo. Yeah, exactly. Vinny LeCavier. Yeah, yeah. There there is somebody. There will be a taker because, I mean, as this goes on, the salary will dictate that. There will be a deal where they hold on to a lot of it, and there'll be a time where they can genesis it at the same time that this is the offseason to do it. You're bringing up all these young guys that are going to be here. There's expiring contracts that are happening now. There has to be a reason for it. Otherwise, we're all fucking crazy, and then we should go burn it down because there, we, we all have two eyes. We've all seen metrics. They've seen that. I have to assume that that happens because I, I look at even just the NFL. There is no way that Brock Osweiler – is the main quarterback that's there. That is a general manager move being forced on a coach. I think that is what is happening here, except it's for a different reason. Like that you can point to and like, oh, my God, they think this guy's good. But we know Hextall's not dumb. So there has to be an end game here with this. John, I, I really, really hope you're right. Like, <laughs> that, that, that's really all I can say <laughs> to, to that. Is, we'll know, we'll know in, in five months. Yeah, yeah, because it just – and I, I made this point on Broad Street Hockey Radio before, like – how can you send a guy down to the minors and basically decide that you'd rather you don't want to risk losing Luke Shen or Brandon Manning or, Rad, or, or the Rad Kagutis from two years ago when right. he was like a, a throw-in piece in a trade? Like you don't want don't want to risk losing them to waivers, so you'd rather send Andrew McDonald down to the minors. The only reason why you do that is because you think he's a replaceable third pair defenseman. Mm-hmm. And how does your opinion change of him so much over the next you know twelve to eighteen months? To make you think that now he's one of the three or four best defensemen in your organization, which is basically what you're saying by giving him the kind of minutes they're giving him now. I really hope you're right. I really hope that there's a uh, there's an ulterior motive that 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 this is this is a, a way to build trade value in a year where they determine that there's no real chance at a Stanley Cup. As I said, that just it doesn't fit with the philosophy that I use. To evaluate decisions, just because I mean, I go with like Occam's Razor. You know, the, of course, the, and the, 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 the simplest should. explanation yes. is probably the the one that's the best explanation for why coaches and front office people do stuff. But there are exceptions. I mean, there was one time um, I want to say it was Vancouver. Um, Cody Hodson. They uh, Hodson was like a first round pick for them, and. They wanted to trade him, so for like two months before the trade deadline, they gave him like ultra, ultra cushy minutes, and then they traded him, and after they traded him, they basically admitted like, yeah, that was the reason why we were giving him cushy minutes, because we wanted to trade him. Yeah. So yeah. like, it does happen. I don't think it happens all that often, but it happens. I, I it think can it happens. happen. I think it, I see, that's the thing, you, and I agree, Octum's Razor. But that's with a functional, <laughs> front, you know, like a, a functional front offices of, of most part. And I'm not saying that this is a dysfunctional one. I'm saying, but in, and and we're not even talking about. There could be a scenario where it's McDonald's agent who is saying, "Okay, you have to allow this guy to get up here." I understand you don't want him, but you have to at least display him and attempt to trade him to get him on a team where he can actually play minutes. He cannot be down in AAA. He cannot be down, or excuse me, up, I should say, in in Allentown and just hanging out there wasting his career. Regardless of he's making money, he wants to be on an NHL yeah, team. Yeah, sure. I, so there's concerning elements of both parts. So the first is that they actually think he's good, which is wildly it's impo- concerning. It is impossible <laughs> well, like, that they think that. Wildly concerning. And then <laughs> Dave I, Haxel seems to think a lot of very bad players are good at hockey, so I'm not sure I'm willing to believe that he doesn't think he's good. Who, who else? 
Who Chris else Vandeveld. is on the Chris Vandevelde. He's on the, it's, he's on the fourth Belmont. line. Yep, yeah, they get a lot of minutes. Well, not anymore, but they did. They, they Charlie, were, there were points, here. There were points <laughs> of the year when they did get a lot of minutes. It is, that was kind of insane. It is yeah. not a, lo- a lot of those moves are not ending up as long term things, if you think about it. Well, life isn't a long term thing, John. <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to die something. in five months anyway, right? Well, take us uh, now, son. Yeah. And then the other, the other part is that they're willing, that they, they might be willing to put a, an inferior product on ice just to prove a point or or to to, well, to do a long term and i agree that that that's where it gets tough because i do legitimately believe that ron hextall thinks this is a playoff team and will be very disappointed with his coach if they do not make the playoffs and do i think mm. they're going to fire dave hextall if they don't make the playoffs no not necessarily but like it will hextall in my opinion will view this as a failure of a season if they do not make the playoffs after yep. they made it last year they add a proveroff they add a connectney um I guess they technically added Weiss, but like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but he he was going to think that this is a better roster than the one that he right. had last season, and if they don't make the playoffs, that's a failure. But at the same time, if you're throwing Andrew McDonald out there a top four minutes for basically an entire season, like is it a failure? I don't think that's the main reason why they missed the playoffs. But if you're doing that with an ulterior motive, then you kind of have to grade your coach on a bit of a curve. And I and I always come back to, out of the games that they have really lost, how much of that has been on him versus the talent that is there? Uh, you're talking he, about Haxtell or McDonald? Haxtell. Okay, because I was going to say, there's, there was one game I remember that I think McDonald lost them the game. It was the game where I think he was on the ice for like four goals against, and he yes. directly called was, like yeah. three of them. Recent-ish. Yeah. It was um, in January. Yeah, yeah. But Haxtell, I don't know, He's he's made some questionable decisions it's so hard because how do you measure the impact maybe it's cost them a game or or two at most at most or maybe it's cost them a point here or there a game that maybe they could have sent to overtime and they didn't because they had the belmar line out there with two minutes left in a game rather than a line that could actually have a chance of scoring a goal like it's so hard but I don't let me put it this way. I don't think Haxel's decisions this year have had a positive impact on the team. And obviously you want your coach to be having a positive mm-hmm. impact on the team. To, to to what degree they've been negative, it gets hard to measure that. But I don't think he's helped the team. I think he helped the team last year. I don't think he's helped the team this year. And see, I just yeah, I, I don't and, and I so there are yeah, to a point I, I agree, but there's and I wonder if it's it's just we've put too much too much expectation on what is here now because of the strides it made with lesser talent now supposedly you know Provorov and Konecki and all that stuff is are supposed to boost those things they're supposed to be able to develop those things but again you know if if Ghost is slumping and he definitely is and we're being nice on that if there are if there are other walls that other people are hitting and again we've already been through that there hasn't been a guy here that you can rely on game in and game out to be your guy then there there's a lot to battle there still there's still a lot to sift through so again I, i'm just i i'm i'm signing I, I tend to do this a lot i did with brett brown too and you're starting to see that now that they have, have talent here but uh, you just give it the, i hope they're they're a little more patient with this because i still like a lot of the things he does so if all of your team is slumping at the same time how much of that is on the coach I, I don't know, and that's such a that's a, such a tough thing to answer because again, there's like a thousand different factors which which could go it could, into that. It could just be they're tired, and and there's that or they're and, just slumping. Like yeah, yeah, like players so it just, just get on a bad a run at the season. same time. Yeah, but everyone, it can happen. I mean, look at the look at the 2010 team. 
The 2010 team slumped for three quarters of that season, sneak in the playoffs, and then in the playoffs, they finally play up to their talent level, get to the finals. Like, weird shit happens in hockey with teams, and you don't know what... Eh, I, hate, I know this is such a cop but like, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And I'm not even talking... <laughs> what do you look for, but, CSN? Good no, Lord. No, but like, I, like I'm, not, I'm not even talking about... Like, I'm not even talking about what's going on in the locker room. Sure, like, sure. You don't know what's going on in like, the player's personal like, well, yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like, you just don't know. So that's why I, I hate to judge players seasons based on how they've done two-thirds of the way through mm-hmm. like I want to judge the season at the end of the year and give these guys a chance for their percentages to catch up to where they might they should be theoretically by the numbers and then at the end of the year evaluate and that's sort of what I'm doing with Haxtell like I'm gonna wait till the end of the year to evaluate whether I think that you know he cost them a playoff berth mm-hmm. or whether he made them worse or better or whatever it's right now we're still dealing with an unfinished book we don't know how we don't know how the ending's gonna be we don't know if they're gonna spend the next two months on absolute fire like they did last yeah, year they could. and get in the playoffs and then be a dangerous team like they might it could happen it seems unlikely because of how frustrated we all are but it could happen if we probably had this last year, we would have been feeling similarly ticked off. And then by the beginning of March, the team was rolling. Like, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, we would have been, we would have been down. And then by, you know, mid-March, we would probably be thinking how, oh, my God, this team could actually get on a, a crazy run in the playoffs. And maybe we'll be feeling the same way in a month's time this year, too. And to your point just about on, you know, the, how many times is that slump at the same time? How many coaching changes happen midseason and then suddenly they're a better – a better team or like you know what whatever kind of happens through there i think it's just that it's uh, it, it, when you try and dissect like hey what's wrong with this team sometimes it is literally just time you know like they're they're i think trying people try and make a bunch of judgments in a, in a in from a, a day-to-day basis a week-to-week basis and it somehow always ends up on the coach but you know, like uh, the, the, sometimes you got to stare down those the players and say, "Hey, you're you're not doing your job, or you're not good enough." The team that won the Stanley Cup fired their coach midseason. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was a bad example. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got thirty seconds left. Um, I do want to touch on one of your points in your last ten things piece. And Charlie asked, "Are the Flyers a mentally fragile team?" I want you to explore that. I don't think so, but then again, I don't like to go into these like psychoanalyzing players. It, that was more when I think, you were the one that asked the question. Well, I think I basically positioned it as like we were acting like they were mentally fragile when they got blown out by the Capitals, and then they win three straight games by playing really well in the third period. So it's like, were they mentally fragile then, but now they're resilient, or is? all this narrative building just kind of bullshit like that's the question more <laughs> yes. that's more of the question that i w- that i'm posing narratives are bullshit yeah a lot of them are yes <laughs> narratives are are in fact bullshit i think and this is oh god it's such a like a cliche thing to say and i actually hate myself for thinking it and now saying it out loud but they're they're a little bit lacking an identity like who are they and maybe that's what's missing. Maybe that's why I don't like them. I don't know who they are. The Flyers are a team. They play a sport called hockey. Oh, mm-hmm. we're, that's what we do here. We talk about the hockey team yeah. known as the Flyers. How On occasion. about that? And that is all we have tonight on Broad Street Hockey Radio. Thank you, John, for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Everybody listen to BGN Radio. Also, if you're really up uh, early on Wednesday morning, I'll be on uh, Broad or Breakfast on Broad on the old uh, TSN. So uh, Ooh, tune in. It'll be fun. Watch that, Two too. Two TV members here. Oh, actually, three. I was you guys on, are famous. Yeah. Kelly, it's doing your, here? Kelly, it's your turn next. <laughs> yeah, you'll oh. be on next. No, thank you. <laughs> Face for radio, folks. <laughs> Thanks for listening. That is not true. <laughs>
Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>